thank you very much for doing that and uh, for working on it. And it sounded beautiful. But uh, most of all, I'm thankful for the truth of that song. And uh, praise the Lord for it. Well, if you would take your Bible and turn to the book of Mark, or I'm sorry, the book of, I'm so used to saying Mark on Sunday mornings. We're going to be looking in the book of Luke, Luke chapter number one, Luke chapter number one. And we're going to be looking at verses 26 down through verse number 38. And if you would uh, join me in standing as you're finding that in your Bible, Luke chapter one, verses 26 down through verse number 38. The Bible says here in Luke chapter 1 and verse 26, And in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. The angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and, and, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his, his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. And then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? The angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. And let's pray together. Lord, we do thank you for your uh, word. We thank you, Lord, for this portion of Scripture and this part of the record of the Christmas story. And I ask that, Lord, you'd help us to learn um, some important lessons today and uh, not just know what these lessons are, but to go and do them in our lives. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So here we have the record of when Mary was chosen to be the mother of the Messiah. Now, she was chosen in a, to be the mother of the Messiah, which was a very high honor. And being chosen is always kind of neat, always kind of important. And I remember when I was in sixth grade, I've shared the story maybe once or twice, uh, in my time here at Cornerstone, but when I was in sixth grade, during lunchtime, we would play football with a small little football. And we would go out into the grass field, and, and before we played, though, we all kind of stood in the line, and a couple of the, the best football players in the group would be the team captains, and they would pick teams. And uh, this is going to shock you, but I was uh, not picked first. <laughs> Nor was I picked second or third. In fact, I was one of the last ones always to be picked. 
Well, there was one day where we were playing and the quarterback got us together before one of the plays and said, okay, I'm going to just launch the ball and Eric, you try to catch it. And I said, okay. And so that was the play call. It was kind of like a shocker to me that my name would even be called in a play, but it was. And uh, he went back, uh, he hiked the ball, and he went back, and he just launched that thing. I mean, it just went way up in the air. And I'm running, and I see it, and there's some defenders around me, and I just jump for it. And I catch it, and I come down to the ground. And all the players were like, shocked. They were like, did Eric just catch that ball? <laughs> Eric Johnson caught that ball. That was, and it was like a highlight reel. I mean, Devonte Adams has nothing on Eric Johnson. Okay. <laughs> I mean, this thing was, I mean, ESPN worthy. And so everybody was pretty well impressed with that. Well, not long after that play, the bell rang, we all had to go back to class. But then the next day came, and it was time to pick teams for football at lunch. And I'm standing there thinking, okay, I'm going to get picked last again. But the quarterback who had the first pick said, I want Eric on my team. And I was like, at first it didn't register, you know, it was like, I'm kind of waiting till the end for my name to be called. And I'm like, wait, it, it almost sounded like Eric's name was called. That's me. That's me. And I was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I was chosen to be on the team. And I was the first one chosen, too. It was awesome. Well, here uh, a lady, a young lady named Mary was chosen to be a part of something far greater, and infinitely far greater than any football game during sixth grade lunch. Mary got to be chosen out of all the ladies there in Nazareth or Israel. She got to be chosen to be the mother of the Messiah. Only one person would ever in history be chosen to have that special role. And Mary was chosen. Why? Well, the Bible says in uh, verse number 28, when Gabriel comes to her, uh, verse 28, he says to her, Hail thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. She was highly favored. In verse number 30, it says, um, and the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. She found great favor with God. Why was, uh, this really kind of does beg the question, why was Mary chosen? Why did she find favor with God? Why was she highly favored? Well, the Bible doesn't give us a specific conclusive answers to this question, although there are some tremendous godly qualities and characteristics in Mary that certainly point to some possible reasons why she was highly favored. And I want to look at these today in this passage, but in others as well. And we're going to look at Mary's life and see why God would say to her, Thou art highly favored. And why I chose you out of everyone else to be the mother of the Messiah. So let's look at some qualities of Mary here that I think we can learn from and implement into our own lives, and we all should. What are these qualities? First of all, let's look at the let's look at Mary's status. Mary's status. In verse number 26, it says this in the sixth month. 
the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a, what's the next word there? Verse 27, to a, okay, that was kind of weak. Let's try this again. Okay, verse 26, in the sixth month, the angel of Gabriel was sent from God unto the city of Galilee, get ready, named Nazareth to a, oh, that was much better. Okay, so Mary was a virgin. And that was her status. Okay, then look in verse number 34. Then Mary said unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? See, Mary, by her own testimony, said, I'm a virgin. I haven't been with a man yet. And uh, God knew of her purity, of her status as a virgin. Now, if she was not a virgin, she would have been uh, not picked, not chosen to be the mother of Messiah because the mother of the Messiah had to be a virgin. Um, this had to be the case according to the promise God made all the way back in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 15. When God talks to uh, the serpent, he said, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed, and here's that, uh, these three words, and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, thou shalt bruise his heel. Now, it was man who has seed that gets passed to the woman that conceives the, the, the little baby. But, but here, God says, look, her seed, indicating the fact that uh, when the Messiah comes, he's not going to have an earthly father. He's going to have a God as his father. And so Genesis 13 definitely implied the virgin birth, but then when you fast forward to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 7 and verse 14, uh, which says this, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So Mary had to be a virgin. This, was, uh, this had to be her status. Uh, the virgin birth, birth was God's miraculous intervention, producing offspring without a human father. No man or angel was involved, but Christ, who was God from all eternity, took hold of this human nature, conceived, and, uh, and joined it to himself. And, and the virgin birth, by the way, is not just a, a nice thing that we talk about at Christmas. It's an absolutely essential doctrine, and here's why. The fundamental need was found in the nature of the human race. See, every normal human birth produces another sinner. And again, as I got to hold uh, little Grant Coleman on Friday morning, I mean, this was just a precious little innocent little baby. But you know what? Because Daniel is a sinner, guess what? That makes Grant a sinner too. And Grant's going to, they're not going to have to teach Grant how to throw temper tantrums. Uh, they're not going to have to show them how to uh, be selfish. You know, Daniel's not going to say, okay, son, here's how you be selfish. He's not going to have to do that. Grant already uh, comes pre-wired that way. Guess what? So did you, and so did I. Uh, because it got passed down from our father. Um, and just as Adam, as sinner, produced a race of sinners, our Savior, though, had to be genuinely human and truly sinless in order to be our perfect substitute and pay our penalty of guilt before an infinite God by His death. And this doctrine stands at the heart of the Lord's person and saving work. Without the virgin birth, there would be no salvation for sinners. 
Jesus Christ would be a sinful human being. The virgin birth, though, is critical to the plan of redemption. So, so Mary was chosen because she was a virgin, because she lived in purity and holiness. Now, let me just stop and say, was she perfect? Uh, like some uh, people in religions teach. No, she was not. She needed a Savior, but she did believe in the Word of God and, and the statutes of God and followed His Word when it came to purity. And, and even though she was engaged to be married, she and Joseph waited. I know there's a lot of engaged couples who say, you know, we're going to get married anyway, so we might as well enjoy this and have some fun. Why do we need to wait when we're going to get married anyway? It's not that big of a deal. Well, Mary and Joseph could have thought that, but instead they decided to wait. And they chose to remain pure before God and before each other. Now, I realize we're living in 2022 and almost 2023. It's hard to believe we are two weeks away from that. And, and purity doesn't exactly fit into our culture anymore, does it? I mean, it's complete purity is mocked on television, and immorality instead is flaunted everywhere. But I'm here to tell you today that God still desires that His people would live in purity, yes, even in this day and age. I realize that this doesn't get preached, or it's not very prevalent in, in society today. I mean, it's almost acceptable in our society today, and even uh, promoted uh, to be involved uh, sexually before marriage. And yet, God still has His Word, and He has not changed. Even though culture has, God remains the same. God still desires that His people would live in purity and for those who are not married to remain as virgins. So, you young people, I, I realize this message is for everybody, but uh, for those who are not married, God still desires that uh, you would keep yourself pure uh, for Him, but also for your future spouse one day. On November 7th, 1991, for those who were alive back then. Um, doesn't seem like that long ago, but it is actually. But on November 7, 1991, basketball legend Irvin Magic Johnson stunned the entire world by announcing his sudden retirement from the Los Angeles Lakers after testing positive for HIV, the virus that caused AIDS. And from what I understand, immediately after that announcement, the entire Los Angeles Lakers team, every one of the players, went and got tested for AIDS themselves because each one of them had been uh, fooling around and they had been living in fornication, all except for one. A man by the name of A.C. Green, he was one of the players on the Los Angeles Lakers at that time, and he decided early on that he was going to save himself for his future spouse as a commitment to God as uh, out of obedience to the Word of God. And when that announcement came that, every, that uh, uh, Magic Johnson had AIDS, everybody went and got tested, and A.C. Green didn't need to because he was pure. Friend, look, I realize that purity is not popular, but it is still the right thing. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4 and verse number 3, the Bible says this, For this is the will of God. And all of us as believers should say, I want to know what the will of God is for me. 
Here's what the will of God is for all of us here. It says, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. God's will is that all of us would abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. And so for those who are not married, God wants you to remain pure in your body and in your mind and in your eyes. For those who are married, uh, we still need to abstain from fornication. We still need to make sure that we are, uh, those of us who are men are, are one-woman men. Well, we don't start looking at others. And for young people, God's will for your life. Look, I know when I was a young person, I was like, well, what does God want me to do with my life? I don't know what career he wants you to have necessarily. I don't know who he wants you to marry. I don't know, um, you know where you're supposed to live and what kind of cars you're to drive and all of those things. But here's what I can tell you about God's will. He wants you to remain pure. That is God's will for your life. And there, there's no question on that. It's extremely clear. God's will for your life is to stand at your wedding altar one day as a virgin. Now, as you get closer to marriage, uh, you might be thinking, okay, well, man, I, I want to get my spouse something really special for our wedding day. And there, there's, some, there's some cool things you can give them, you know, as a, as a, as a man. You know, you could buy your... You know, save up some money and buy your wife, a, your future wife, a car. Um, you can buy her a house. You can go the cheap route like I did <laughs> and buy her a Bible that has her new name inscribed on it. It was a lot cheaper than a car and a house. <laughs> um, but I'm telling you, the greatest gift that you can give your spouse is your purity. But here's the deal. It starts now by keeping your eyes and your mind pure, your thought life pure. Uh, I'm telling you, if Mary did not fit this status, she would have been skipped over. She would not have been allowed to be the mother of the Messiah. She may have had all the other great qualities, but if she didn't remain pure, she would have been skipped over this. So why was she chosen? Well, I believe because of her status. Now, look, I'm not saying that if you decide to be pure, you're going to be the next mother of the Messiah. Nope, that role has already been taken. Sorry, Charlie. But, here's, but, but, but God does promise to bless those who are pure. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 5 and verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. When your heart is pure, your vision is clear. And you and I will be able to see life a lot differently and a lot better when we're living in purity versus when our heart is so defiled with the things of this world and with sin. We're going to have a hard time seeing things right. We end up becoming blinded. But blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So I want to encourage everyone in here, married or not, to live in purity in both mind and in body. Why was Mary so highly favored? Well, first of all, Mary's status. But secondly, as we walk through this passage, we're going to see Mary's submission. Well, let's pick it up in verse number 
34. And uh, Mary says, how is this going to happen? I mean, I don't know a man. I, my status is I'm a virgin. I'm pure. Verse 35, the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. The power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And then verse 37, he says, With God nothing shall be impossible. And, and here we have Mary's response. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. Now, I can imagine, can't you, that Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph and was excited about their future together as a married couple and dreamt about the children that they would have and the life that they would have there in Nazareth and, you know, just kind of one generation after another, kind of doing the things that maybe her mom taught her to do, and she was excited to put those into practice in her home and just kind of live the normal Nazarite life. And then here comes the angel and completely takes that plan, those plans and says, I have other plans for you. Can you imagine how that would make you feel? And, and, and yet here's, in verse 38, Mary's response to the will of God for her life, which completely is different than anything she had planned. Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. She submitted to the will of God as well as the word of God. And again, this was something that just completely changed what she thought was going to be the rest of her life. If God came to you today and said, hey, I know that you're used to going to work here and doing what you normally do, but we're going to completely change that. Would you be okay with that? Mary was. And as I thought about this, um, I thought there, there's been many times in my life that God has changed the course of my life. And not every time was I as submissive as Mary was to these things. But I'm thankful for every time that I ultimately did submit to the Word of God and the will of God for my life. I mean, when I was in uh, high school, or I'm sorry, one, my year after high school, I was in a year of junior college. I was going to Antelope Valley College, Tumbleweed Tech, we called it because it was really windy there and there's a lot of tumbleweeds around. I was going there and then during that uh, year, uh, the pastor of the church that I attended at the time announced to the church family that the church was going to be starting a Bible college there at the church. And he was encouraging um, those who were in that age bracket to uh, be a part of that college. Well, if you push the reverse button a little bit a few months in the past, I asked my pastor, I said, hey, do you know of a good Christian liberal arts college that I should go to? And he said, you know, there's a couple that I guess are okay, but honestly, Eric, I really think you should go to Bible college. And I thought, yeah, well, <laughs> that's not for me. And so I began to, to fight instead of submit to the will of God at that point. Here was a spiritual authority in my life, and he was giving me some counsel and some advice and some encouragement. And I was like, nope, that's not for me. 
you can say that all you want, but no, I'm not going. Well, the day he announced that they were going to start this Bible college at the church, I finally went, okay, Lord. I didn't say these words, but to a point I said, hey, be it unto me according to thy word. I'm willing to do what you want me to do. If you really do want me to go to Bible college, I mean, I, here you're bringing the Bible college to me, and it's like, Eric, I want you to go. Okay, I'll go. And I decided that night to go to Bible college. And then during Bible college, I remember uh, the first year of the college, it was a brand new Bible college, and, and really every preacher came, and, and it was pretty much the same message almost verbatim. They would use different passages, but basically it was finish what you start. Don't quit. Uh, you, you started Bible college. You need to finish Bible college. Don't be quitting. And I had decided, you know, I'm just going to go for a year, just kind of see what happens with that year. Then after all these preachers, one after another, kept saying, don't quit, don't quit, don't quit. I was like, fine, Lord, I'll finish. I'll go all four years. And then the, right before my junior year of college started, I remember reading in the book of Exodus about how God called uh, Moses to deliver the nation of Israel out of Egypt. And it was as if the Lord was saying, Eric, I want you to serve me, and I want you to, uh, I want to use you, not just here in Bible college, but I want, I want to use your life in the ministry. And I'm like, well, Lord, I'm like Moses. I don't, I'm not, I don't really have, like, not very charismatic personality. I don't really talk very well. I'm not good at public speaking. And, uh, but, Lord, if you want me to go, I'll, I'll submit to you. And then you fast forward to my, junior, my senior year of college. I met with Pastor Tomlinson. He came to the campus to look for a youth pastor. And uh, he and I hit it off, and um, he sent me a note saying, Hey, we're not, I, I was looking for somebody a little older, a little more married than you are, because <laughs> I was not married at the time, just seriously uh, dating Julie. And, and he said, I'm, I was looking for somebody married to be the youth pastor, but would you come and work at our Christian school? I said, well, honestly, I would probably rather do that. That's a little less daunting than working with teenagers. So I agreed to do that, and, and, and then they ended up not having that Christian school. I had agreed to come, and then he called me in the middle of the summer. After all the pastors came and got their, their staff members, he called me and said, our, our Christian school is changing course. Your, your, your job position is no longer available. Okay. So we'll just kind of see. There's another pastor I want to encourage you to talk to. He's looking for a youth pastor. We did. And then um, he said, actually, <clears throat> Eric, why don't you come and work for me on the, on the church side? We'll just see where you fit. I don't know what you're going to do yet. So I loaded my <clears throat> little Ford Ranger pickup truck and uh, drove down to Newport Beach and started working for Pastor Tomlinson without a job description. <laughs> it was just come and we'll figure it out when we get here. So I did. And I'm glad I did. And then uh, the Lord led us to Montana. And I was kind of unsure how that was going to work, but I submitted to the will of God in that. And then one day, while we were up in Montana, I get a call from a Randy Nutt from Moore, Oklahoma. <laughs> He said, he said, what? Would you, would you consider being a pastor in Moore, Oklahoma? And I'm like, I don't know anybody in Moore, Oklahoma. I only knew one family in Oklahoma to begin with. And they live up in Stillwater. 
And the Lord became, made it very clear to me that, hey, this is what I want you to do. Will you do it? I can tell you, look, I'm so glad that I've submitted to the will of God every time I've done it. And you will be glad every time that you submit to the will of God for your life as well. Mary was glad she did because she got to be the mother of the Messiah. And that's what it kind of means here in verse 28 where, where the angel Gabriel said, Blessed art thou among women. The word blessed is happy. I mean, you're going to be the happiest of mo- among women because you get to give birth to the Son of God that's been promised for hundreds and thousands of years. You get to be that one. She never regretted it, and she learned how to encourage others to do it too. She learned the value of submitting to the Word of God and the will of God for her life. In fact, she taught others to do the same. In fact, if you take your Bible and turn to John chapter number 2 real quick. John chapter number 2. John chapter 2, verse number 1. Third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. Verse 3, when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, they have no wine. Jesus said, hey, woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. And then notice verse 5, his mother saith unto the servants, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. It was almost as if Mary was saying to them, hey, guys, whatever he says, You need to just trust me and do it. Take it from me. I know. I'm so glad that I did what God told me to do. And you will be too. Um, She said, trust me. Like, (laughs) I've been there. Whatever he says, you just need to do it. And he lear- she learned the principle of submitting to the Word of God and the will of God for her life. There's a story of a man named Ivan who endured all the horrors of a Soviet prison camp. Well, one day he was praying with his eyes closed when, the, when a fellow prisoner noticed him and said with ridicule, Look, prayers will not help you get out of here any faster. Opening his eyes, Ivan answered, I do not pray to get out of prison, but to do the will of God. May the Lord help all of us to have that same desire that, Lord, I want to do your will, whatever it may be, whatever that may change, whatever changes that may cause in my life, I'm willing to do it. The world's most popular prayer is, Thy will be changed. But the world's greatest prayer is, Thy will be done, William Barclay said. Noah was another one who submitted to the word of God in his life. In Genesis 6 and verse 22, the Bible says, Thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Genesis 7, 5 says, Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. In seven, chapter, chapter 7, verse 9 and chapter 7, verse 16, also reference the fact that Noah was obedient to the commands of God in his life. Look, Mary and Noah, they don't have to be unique. May that be true for all of us, that we are understanding what God's Word says and we're understanding what the will of God is for our lives and that we are willing to do the will of God. So is there something in His Word or His will for your life that you need to submit to today? Can I encourage you, don't wait, don't delay any longer. Say like Mary did, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. Is it salvation? Baptism, church membership, giving, witnessing, having devotions. Um, 
being involved in, in serving? What is it that God wants you to do, that next step that God wants you to take? Submit to Him today. Stop fighting Him. I've said a few times recently, look, you, you keep fighting God, you may, God may just let you win. But when you win in that way, you end up losing. But when you give in to the Lord and submit to Him, guess who wins? God does and you do. So Mary gave in to the Lord and she ended up winning as well. So may all of us submit to Him like Mary did. May we say, be it unto me according to thy word. Why was Mary highly favored? Because of uh, her status, because of her submission, and then thirdly, because of her spirit. We go down through this passage here, and after verse 38 comes verse 39, of course. Mary rose in those days, went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah, and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. Came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. She spake with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, blessed is the fruit of thy womb. Whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is he that believe, she that believe, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. So her spirit um, that she had after she submitted to the will of God was filled with a couple things. First, her spirit was filled with worship for God. Even though her plans had completely been radically changed, I mean, her life was going to no longer be the same. And, and if you think about it, the fact that now she's going to be expecting and Everybody's going to assume that it was Joseph, and when they find out it wasn't Joseph, they're automatically going to assume that she uh, was with another man. And really, she could, have been, she could have been stoned as a result. And so it was not like an easy path for her to take uh, accepting this. And yet, in spite of all of that, her spirit was still filled with worship for God. Uh, my soul doth magnify the Lord. My spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, for he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall be called, call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. His mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of the hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich uh, he hath sent away empty. He hath hope in his servant Israel in remembrance of his holiness, as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. And so here she praises God for who he is and for what he has done. And it was filled, filled her spirit, filled her heart. Her spirit was filled with worship for God. But her spirit wasn't just filled with worship for God, it was also filled with the word of God. The verses that I just read from really verses 46 all the way down through verse number 40, uh, 53 um, are basically a direct quote of Hannah's prayer in 1 Samuel chapter number 2 in verses number 1 through 10 when she gave birth to Samuel. So 
Those scriptures, Mary was familiar with them so much so that when uh, she was just bursting out in worship, these verses just flowed out of her. The Word of God was precious to Mary, so much so that it was in her, and when it was just, she was so excited, it just came out. Look, you and I are called to be filled also with worship for God and with the Word of God. In fact, Colossians 3.16, we're instructed to let the Word of Christ dwell in you. Anybody know the next word on that? Richly. We're to let the Word of God dwell in us richly, to live in us, to abide in us richly, to where it takes a good portion of our, of our heart. We give our heart to a lot of other things, to entertainment. We know all the actors. We know all the songs. We know all the uh, artists. We know sports, and we know the uh, different athletes on everybody's teams and, and then the stats and all of those things. But do we know the Word of God? Uh, Mary made the Word of God precious to her, so much so that she memorized this portion of Scripture, and that probably was not the only portion that she memorized. It was just one of them. And she made this book special to her. Mary continued to be filled with the Word of God. In, uh, if you go to Luke chapter number 2 real quick, uh, Luke chapter 2 and verse, verse uh, 41, and I won't read the whole passage here, but his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover. This is when Mary and Joseph lost Jesus. And it's a bad day when you lose Jesus, especially if you're their parents, if you're his parents. Well, they did, and they end up finding him there in the temple. Um, and uh, he was hearing them and asking them questions with these religious leaders. In verse uh, 48, when they saw him, they were amazed. When the word they is referring to Mary and Joseph, when they saw him, they were amazed. His mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowly. And notice here, thy father, um, she was referring to Joseph, but Jesus in verse 49 reminds her and them who his real father really was. How is it that ye sought me? Wish ye not that I must be about my father's business? Capital F on that one. Verse 50, they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them, verse 51, and came unto Nazareth and was subject unto them. But notice here, but his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. The sayings of Jesus Christ, which were, really were the word of God, she let them continue to dwell in her heart. So Mary did that. Her mind and spirit was filled with the Word of God. And may we also follow her example. Uh, Jeremiah 15 and verse 16, the Bible says, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. See, Mary was highly favored. Why? Well, I'm definitely not claiming to know all the reasons, but certainly her status had something to do with it. Her submission and her spirit probably did too, but I want us to notice one more godly feature of the special lady. Let's notice, fourthly, Mary's steadfastness. On this one, we're going to leave Luke, and if you would, turn to John chapter 19. 
as you, as you trace Mary throughout the scriptures, you're going to find a mother who was also a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, who stayed faithful, who was steadfast in her commitment to her son, who was also her savior. John chapter 19 and verse number 25. I just love the verbiage here. Verse 25, this is Jesus there on Mount Calvary, and He's being crucified. And the Bible says here in verse 25, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus His mother. There was Mary. In the darkest hour that Jesus faced here on this earth, as He was there becoming my substitute and yours on the cross of Calvary, when all everybody else pretty much bailed on him, they had forsaken him, his mom stayed true. She was there. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother. And his mother's sister Mary, there were three Marys mentioned here in verse 25. His, mother, his mother's sisters Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. But Mary, his mom, was there. When everybody else said, the kitchen's getting too hot, man, I'm bailing. Mary says, crucify me too if, if you must, but I'm not leaving my son. I'm not leaving my Savior. I'm committed to him. I'm going to be loyal to him. Come what may. She was there at the cross. Her son. She was steadfast. But that wasn't the last time she was mentioned in Scripture. If you go to Acts chapter number 1, just a page or two over in your Bible. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 12. Jesus ascended up into heaven, and now the disciples waited in the upper room. Verse 12 says, Then they returned unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. When they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon Zelotius, and Judas the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brethren. So here, I mean, this was a pretty uncertain time for sure for those disciples. I mean, it was a time of great uncertainty, a difficult time, not knowing what the future held. And, and yet, instead of uh, just scattering abroad, they decided to yoke up together. And there was 120 of them. And Mary was in that group who the Bible simply says here, they all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. And can I remind us, Cornerstone Baptist Church, what our theme is for 2022? the word continue. Being steadfast and faithful, and, and, and Mary was. Mary was found continuing. The last time her name is mentioned in Scripture, she's found being steadfast and faithful. Friend, can I encourage you yet one more time this year to be faithful, to not quit on the Lord? to be faithful to church, to be faithful to spend time with God, to be faithful in your giving, to be faithful in your witnessing, to continue to be steadfast, to stay true to the Lord in the good times and in the, and in the difficult ones. Mary did. 
Mary was steadfast as you trace her life all the way to the end. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Paul says to all of us, Therefore, my beloved brethren, because of the resurrection of Christ and because of the promise of our future resurrection, we need to then be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Hebrews 10, 23, the writer says this, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Why? Because he is faithful that promised. Hebrews 4.14, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed in the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Let's be steadfast. Let's not quit. Well, so-and-so said something not very nice to me the other day at church. So I think I'm just going to quit. Really, you're going to let that cause you to... that You're going to let that cause you to stop in your tracks? Mary, I'm sure had people say unkind things to her, and yet she stayed faithful. Will you stay faithful to the Lord who stayed faithful to you? I'll read this, and uh, we'll wrap it up here in a moment. John Greenliff Whittier wrote this poem. When things go wrong, as they sometimes will, when the road you're trudging seems all uphill, when the funds are low and the debts are high and you want to smile, but you just have to sigh. When care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but don't you quit. Life is strange with its twists and turns, as every one of us sometimes learns. And many a failure turns about when he might have won had he stuck it out. Don't give up, though the pace seems slow. You may succeed with another blow. Often the goal is nearer then. It seems to a faint and faltering man. Often the struggler has given up when he might have captured the victor's cup and learned too late when the night slipped down how close he was to the golden crown. Success is failure turned inside out, the silver tint to the clouds of doubt. And you never can tell how close you are. It may be near when it seems so far. So stick to the fight when your heart is hit. It's when things seem worse that you must not quit. Let's be steadfast. Let's stay with it. Stay faithful to the Word of God. Stay faithful to the house of God. Stay faithful to uh, spending time with God and witnessing for God. Stay faithful. Don't quit. Why was Mary chosen? She got to be picked to be the mother of the Messiah. What a wonderful honor. Why was she chosen? I'm not the Lord. I don't know all the reasons. But certainly her status had something to do with it. She wouldn't have been picked if she didn't have the status of being a virgin. And young people, especially, and married people too, <laughs> let's remain pure. Let's, let's live in purity in a, in, a, in a world where there is very little purity going on. God still values it. God still expects it. It is still God's will that we would abstain from fornication. And so let's live with the same status that, that Mary had. Uh, living a life of purity. And then living a life of submission. When the Word of God comes and we're reading it in our devotions or we're hearing it preached and, and, and the Lord begins to speak to our hearts and say, hey, buddy, you need to change something. May we submit to the Word of God in our lives like Mary did. Or we're going to say, look, I know it's going to require some change in my life, but hey, be it unto me according to your Word. I'm willing to do it. 
May we have a spirit that is filled with worship for God in spite of the challenges, in spite of the difficulties that may come our way, that we just continue to worship the Lord and be filled with the Word of God. And may we be steadfast like Mary was. Stay faithful. When everyone else bails, we're not going to. We're going to just simply stay. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the life of Mary. And certainly there's a lot of confusion in this, in religion about Mary. Lord, we know that she was a sinner like everybody else. We know that she was not perfect. We know that she needed a Savior just like all of us do. And Lord, if there's one here today that has never realized that they need a Savior, I pray that today would be the greatest day of their life. May they come to Jesus and be born again. And knowing that He is the only way to forgiveness of sins, He is the only way that we can go to heaven. He is the only way that we can be a child of God, is by having a relationship with Christ. But then those of us who are saved, Lord, help us, Lord, to follow the example of Mary, Lord, to have a status of purity. And Lord, for our young people, Lord, I know the devil is out there trying to fight them in this area. And God, I pray that you'd keep them pure. Help them, help every young person in our church to be able to stand at their wedding altar one day as virgins. Please, Lord, protect them and, and help them, Lord, to understand the importance of guarding their hearts. And Lord, as, as people who are uh, married, I pray, Lord, you'd help us to stay, stay right in our marriages. Keep our eyes uh, from, from looking at things we should not look at. And, and God, I pray that you would protect us and help us to still live in purity. Keep us from fornication, God. Help us, Lord, to have a submissive heart to your word. Help us, Lord, to have a spirit that's filled with your word. Help us, Lord, to stay faithful and to be steadfast like Mary was.